welcome to the latest episode of the Green Left News Podcast. I'm Ben Radford and I'm joined by Isaac Nellist. We're both journalists for Green Left and we're going to take you through the news from across Australia and around the world. If you haven't heard of Green Left, it's a people-powered media project uh, that's been running for more than 30 years. We provide an alternative to the corporate media and centre the voices of activists. Before we begin, we acknowledge that we're recording on stolen Gadigal Wongal land. This land was never ceded, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And at Green Left, we're committed to supporting the struggles for First Nations justice across Australia and around the world. The government has unveiled its plan to spend a staggering $368 billion on nuclear-powered submarines over the next three decades as part of the AUKUS military alliance with the United States and the UK. There's growing opposition to AUKUS and the submarine deal, a snap rally being held in Sydney on March 14, as well as condemnation coming from various unions, Greens MPs, anti-war activists, and even PM, uh, former PM Paul Keating and one New South Wales Labor branch. These groups have pointed out that AUKUS and the submarine deal is all part of the warmongering bipartisan drive to war against China, and to put it in perspective, it's a massive military spend. $368 billion is more than Australia's annual budget. You could build 1,480 schools or 15 fully equipped hospitals with that money, let alone building thousands of public housing homes, raising job seeker and other welfare payments above the poverty line, and seriously combating the climate emergency. Not to mention the decades of anti-nuclear campaigning that this announcement threatens. Ben Gala, First Nations people and supporters gathered outside the federal court in Adelaide to protest plans by the federal government to put a nuclear waste dump on First Nations lands near Kimber, which is in northwestern South Australia. The Ben Gala native title holders have also launched a legal challenge to overturn the decision. And First Nations land and culture is also being threatened by fossil fuel corporations who are desperate in their drive for profits. Earlier this month, the Murrajuga traditional custodians escalated their campaign to protect the rock art in the Pilbara, Western Australia, from Woodside Scarborough and Barouse uh, Basin gas projects. These gas projects threaten about 1 million pieces of rock art that are at least 80,000 years old. It's the biggest and oldest collection in the world. Marajuga traditional custodians protested outside Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek's office in Sydney, demanding she stop these projects from going ahead. As part of you know these protests for a lot of these destructive projects, we had thousands of people rallying around the country as part of the global climate strike. They were demanding real climate action, as well as the centering of First Nations justice. There were rallies in most of the major cities around the country, and as well as in regional areas like Castlemaine and Newcastle. In Sydney, we, uh, we copped pouring rain, but nonetheless, it was inspiring to see a really good turnout. Um, all the speakers called on Labor to take meaningful action on climate rather than continuing to approve a whole bunch of fossil fuel projects. And they also talked about the ongoing struggles against massive corporations like Santos, that's pushing ahead with its coal seam gas project in Narrabri in regional New South Wales. Yeah, the, the rain was brutal here in Sydney. And um, we've talked on this podcast before about the ongoing repression of activists, particularly climate activists, by the police across the country. But in great news for climate activists and civil rights defenders, Violet Coco, who was arrested and sentenced to 15 months jail for a climate protest uh, in April last year, has won her appeal. 
Her sentence has been dismissed and she's been released on a 12-month good behaviour bond. So massive props to Violet and the more than 200 organisations that supported her case for this important win. Unfortunately, the draconian anti-protest laws that are being used to target activists are still, uh, still exist. And firefighter Alan Glover and opera singer Karen Fitzgibbon were fined $3,000 for their role in the protest. The fifth hearing of the Belmarsh Tribunal into the persecution of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange was held in Sydney, and they heard a whole bunch of testimonies from journalists, politicians, lawyers, as well as intellectuals, who called for his release. Assange has been imprisoned on remand for nearly four years in Britain's notorious high-security Belmarsh prison, and he's facing deportation to the US to face charges that, that could impose a cumulative jail term of 175 years. And he's being persecuted by the US for publishing evidence of their war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan. And what's sickening about this is that no one has been prosecuted for the actual war crimes, but he's facing more than a lifetime in jail for publishing them. March 8 marked International Women's Day, a day to celebrate victories in the fight for women's rights. It's important to remember the militant socialist roots of IWD, which was born out of striking garment workers in the US in the early 20th century, and also helped kickstart the Russian Revolution in 1917. Protests were held in Sydney, Newcastle, Geelong and Melbourne, highlighting the struggles women face in the workplace and at home, as well as showing solidarity with the women-led uprising in Iran. On the same day in Sydney, a grassroots collective of sex workers and supporters marched to Parliament House demanding the decriminalisation of sex work, for sex workers to be covered by the Anti-Discrimination Act and for migrants and international students be given the rights to work, as well as more funding for community services and less to the police. And protests were held across the country against British transphobe Kelly J. Keane, also known as Posey Parker, who was on a speaking tour of Australia. Parker also opposes women's access to abortion, LGBTIQ plus rights, and has links to various far-right hate groups. Protesters outnumbered the transphobes at all the rallies, and it was really great to see the trans community, students, and other allies organising against this imported hate. National Tertiary Education Union members at the University of Sydney went on strike for the seventh time in pursuit of job security for casual staff, a fair pay rise, permanent jobs for First Nations people, as well as leave for transitioning workers. The union has been campaigning for nearly two years, but the uni management has refused to address their key demands. And at the same time, management has cut funding from research, they've increased student-to-staff ratios, which means larger class sizes, and they've cut several courses, despite the uni posting a $1 billion surplus in 2021. And now we'll hear what's happening around the world. More than 400,000 workers went on strike on Budget Day as part of the ongoing industrial action that the country has been seeing in recent months. Teachers, rail workers, junior doctors and public sector workers are protesting the conservative Tory government's neoliberal policies that have left terrible working conditions as well as huge labour shortages. And 
They're also protesting the constant attacks on pensions, as well as the refusal to raise wages in line with inflation. Average pay rose by 2.7% in the public sector last year, while inflation has risen above 10%, and significantly, inflation of the price of groceries has hit nearly 17% at the start of this year. They're also protesting a bill that passed last month to try and stop strikes, with some workers able to be fired if they refuse to work when required on strike days. Um, The industrial action doesn't seem like it's going to be stopping anytime soon, though. And there's also massive action across the channel in France, where the French Senate just passed Emmanuel Macron's bill to raise the pension age from 62 to 64, sparking protests of hundreds of thousands. There's a massive resistance to this change, which has seen unions organising millions of people into protests out on the streets over the last few months. And there's been rolling strikes in rail and air transport, power stations, natural gas terminals, rubbish collection, and even high school and university students have mobilised, shutting down the country on March 7th. So hopefully the protest movement continues to push against the bill and can be sustained for ongoing mobilisation. In the US, after a train carrying hazardous materials derailed in Ohio, the local community is reporting health problems more than a month after. People have been exposed to high levels of dioxins, which are chemicals linked to altered liver function, impairment of the immune system, as well as the nervous system, endocrine system, and as well as reproductive functions. Rail workers and their unions have been warning about catastrophes like this for years, pointing to the continued deregulation and privatisation of the industry. The company responsible, Norfolk Southern, which is one of the biggest rail freight companies in the US, should be noted that it made record profits during the COVID-19 pandemic and they've downplayed the pollution and refused to meet with the local community. And up in Canada, nine Mi'kmaq communities and several environmental groups are attempting to stop oil giant Equinor's Bay du Nord deep sea oil project off the coast of Newfoundland and Labrador. Hearings in their legal challenge at the federal court began on March 1 and protests have also been happening on the ground since last year including at Equinor's office in St. John's. The project threatens humpback whales, endangered cod populations, corals and sponges, and there's also a social cost. The millions of dollars in funding, tax breaks and royalty adjustments could be better used to benefit working class people and communities. Also in Canada, an investigation has been launched into the British Columbia Police for widespread abuses of Indigenous land defenders and mining and forestry protesters. The Community Industry Response Group which is a secretive tactical unit of the National Police Force, operates directly and openly in the service of extractive industries, such as oil and gas, logging and fish farming operations, and is often deployed to dismantle blockades using helicopters, drones and police dogs. They carry out their operations with masks hiding their faces and ID tags torn off or covered, and they've been recorded wearing the thin blue patches associated with fascist and white supremacist groups. An investigation by the Aboriginal People's Television Network uncovered a range of disturbing allegations against the unit, such as torture, intimidation, harassment, racism, theft, and destruction of property. This is probably just about one of the most blatant examples of the police's role in protecting the interests of capital. The administration of Jammu and Kashmir, which is directly under the Indian government, launched an eviction drive in January, targeting socio-economically vulnerable people in the region, such as farmers and workers. Protesters allege that the government wants to take land away from the farmers and hand it over to industrialists. The evictions have been denounced as an attack on the homes, livelihoods and rights of the people of Jammu and Kashmir. 
South Africa has moved to downgrade its diplomatic ties with Israel due to their continued violation of Palestinian human rights. South Africa's parliament passed a draft resolution this month to downgrade Israel's embassy to the status of liaison office. Following the vote, MP Ahmed Sheikh Imam, who introduced the draft resolution, said that Israel's apartheid system contravenes international law and violates the human rights of Palestinians and, quote, as South Africans, we refuse to stand by while apartheid is being perpetrated again. All of the stories that we talked about today are listed in the podcast description and you can go to greenleft.org.au for more. And before you go, we wanted to bring your attention to a National Day of Action on April 2 for Palm Sunday. Rallies for refugee rights are being held across the country in Brisbane, Canberra, Melbourne, Perth and Sydney, calling for permanent visas for all refugees. Green Left runs on people power, so we don't accept corporate donations or advertising, so we need your support to continue. You can become a supporter for only $5 a month, and it's only 10 bucks a month to get the hard copy paper delivered to your door. You can also donate to our 2023 Fighting Fund, which will help us make more content like this. Go to greenleft.org.au forward slash support to help us out. And remember to follow Green Left on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for the latest news and analysis. Thanks for listening.